We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Total Celebrity Segment, and I'm excited to welcome to the program uh, a definitely an ECW legend, but also professional wrestling legend, Rob Van Dam. And you're a legend still working, Rob. Rob, how are you, man? Dude, I'm excellent. I'm consistently excellent and uh, doing good. Awesome, Rob. Yeah. So let's talk about how you got involved in pro wrestling. How did that start? Well, I was a fan, and then uh, I went to my first live show at the uh, Battle Creek Kellogg Center, and I got to go back near the dressing room where the fans couldn't go because I I met an inside source that took me back there, and I met Hillbilly Jim and the Killer Bees, okay. um, yeah, Andre the Giant, and and that person, uh, this 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 woman that was there, I think. Uh, she was there because she was uh, helping out, shall we say, uh, one or two of the wrestlers. SD Jones, maybe Barry O too. Well, anyway, she said, you like wrestling so much, you should lift weights and when you grow up, uh, I'll get you in. Which I lost touch of her before I got in, uh, but she planted that seed and I just did my homework. You know, nobody in Battle Creek knew anybody famous. Right. But th there was an ad in a pro wrestling magazine that said if I sent five bucks, they would send me a list of all the wrestling schools all over the country, all over the world. So I did that. And then I was corresponding or calling if they had phone numbers. And right. I talked to people all over. I talked to uh, um, Larry Sharp in New Jersey, okay. I remember, and uh, um, Johnny Hunter in North okay. Carolina. I remember talking to him. and. Uh, Killer Kowalski. I ended up actually going to Kowalski's school and visiting it and uh, thinking that I was going to save money bagging groceries and, and come back, somehow afford to live in Boston and make it work. Um, but while I was bagging groceries, I met another wrestler and he took me to the original Sheik, uh, who was 45 minutes from my parents' house. Yeah. So I ended up uh, being trained by the original Sheik and what ties it all in together is the original Sheik and Killer Kowalski were both trained by the same wrestler way back in the day, Burt Ruby. Oh, wow. How about that? So that's interesting. So basically at that time, what time period was that, Rob? When you I started, so I started uh, wrestling school in December of 89. Had, okay. my first had my first dozen or so matches in uh, 90. And then in 91, uh, got to experience my first territory by going to your stomping grounds in the USWA. Oh, really? Would you work under yeah. there? Did you work as Rob Van Dam over the, under there? No, it was, it was actually a play off of my shoot last name. Uh, I wasn't Rob Van Dam until November of 93. And, and Sheik and Sabu always told me, it doesn't matter what somebody wants to call you, what they want to do with you, get as much ring time as you can at this stage of your career. Now people have a gimmick first. Should I be a wrestler? I got this gimmick, but you know, it was backwards back then. And so I got, I wrestled under a bunch of different names. In, in, in USWA, I wrestled uh, as Rob Zakowski, took a couple of letters off of my real uh, last name and so that people could uh, pronounce it. And uh, I was there for about five weeks in the summer of uh, 91. That was my first chance of ever wrestling somewhere where the people already knew me because right. I was just there last week. Yeah. And so in that process, and then you said when you, who came up with the gimmick Rob Van Dam? Did you come up with it? No, a wrestling promoter that actually, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I'm you're, hearing you're, you right. Oh, you're good. Okay, cool. 
because you're uh, freezing a little bit on me. But no. um, okay, so while I was in USWA, um, another wrestler who wrestled later is uh, um, Tex Slasinger in WWE. Uh, Dennis Knight was his name. Right. He was a, one of the not original, one of the Texas Outlaws. Right. Uh, okay, so his mom uh, was married to this wrestler, Ron Slinker. Ron Slinker was there in Nashville, I believe, one day, uh, one of the towns, and uh, watching, and he was really taken by me. He's the first one to tell me, and this was one year into my career. He was the first one to say, kid, you're going to be a world champion someday. Mm-hmm. He said, I might be wrong about you. I wasn't wrong about uh, Steamboat. I wasn't wrong about Rick Rude. I don't think I'm wrong about you. And he ended up, you know, things uh, things ran their course in USWA as they did. I went to South Atlantic Wrestling with Manny Fernandez in Charlotte for a little while. And then that ran its course. And then I was on the phone with uh, Slinker because he'd given me his number. And I'm like, I want to work. I want to work. Yeah. I ended up, so he was saying he's going to be opening up in Florida. Um, I went down there to Florida. Um, be, he was going to open the sportatorium. I went early. Just, I was so excited to be on the, I, I don't want to be home. You know, I want to be on the road. I helped open the sportatorium. I remember painting the bleachers. Oh, really? You know, and, oh. Yeah. Hanging the, hanging the sign, you know, all kinds of stuff. So um, he was the guy, you know, he said, you're going to be Rob Von Dom. And at that time, I don't remember even hearing, I couldn't have heard very much that that, that I resembled the actor. Um, I was just like, uh, okay, because you know, you could. I was the Polish prince. I was a flying tiger. I was an international patriot. So now I'm Rob Von Dam, but obviously it stuck. And that kind of came to your own gimmick in the Rob Van Dam from Von Dam to Van Dam in a lot of ways. What was the kind of just development of that? No, that was really just a very organic thing where. I think I said it differently than he did. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's Same thing shoot. with Jean-Claude. Yeah. Same thing with Jean-Claude. They're both correct. Yeah. People say Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> they're, they're right. You know, whatever. Yeah. Well, so it was a great gimmick and you get you could thank that kind of gimmick. Like there's only a few gimmicks that were given to somebody that really have helped their careers tremendously. I mean, you know, and that and that gimmick it lives on today because of that. So, you know, and there's not a lot you talk True. about a lot of wrestlers, they finally are given a gimmick. And that gimmick was, wow, that made them. But it was the character, too, and the development. And you went through the territories and all that stuff. ECW was where you became the household name. Would you say definitely where that came, developed, was the opportunity at ECW? Would you think, Rob? Yes. Yeah, I, I would say uh, definitely. And, um, you know, that was six years into my career. That's 96. I started in ECW. And 98 when I beat Bam Bam Bigelow for the uh, world television title. It was that particular night that I was put on a whole different level of being a superstar. Like it was such an, uh, uh, the next night. I mean, that night was great. But then um, afterwards, uh, I remember being in Queens. I was going to wrestle Mikey Whipwreck the next show. And I was always, every week I'm trying to come up with a, a way to outdo something I did the week before, you know. It's yeah. uh, so I, I was telling Paul before the show, Paul, what do you think about this? What if I put Mikey Whipwreck, I crotch him on this guardrail, and then I springboard from the other guardrail across the walkway, and then do like a flying sidekick? <laughs> Paul said, hey, Paul said, great. He said, it doesn't matter what you do tonight, these people are going to love you. 
And I totally didn't understand what he meant, but he was right. Like after beating Bam Bam and having that TV title, uh, it was, I was on a whole different like um, peer, tier of, of superstar. And unfortunately, I was able to back it up and uh, so I didn't have to look back. Exactly. And you played the gimmick perfectly. And that was the thing, Rob. It's all about, it's not just, it's not just about the gimmick. It's about getting over with the fans. And that's what, if you got over or didn't get over at ECW Arena, explain that to people. Like it just, it, it's, it's one or the other in that way. It was, well, so it was the most uh, hardcore and, and opinionated crowd uh, in, in the industry. I was intimidated in January of 96 when I first went there because it was the first time where the whole crowd is adult. There's no kids there. Right. They're all wearing they're all wearing like rock and roll shirts. And the music that they're playing is like really heavy, yeah. white zombie. And, and I was like, wow, I need to come up with some new moves. I remember before my first match, um, I debuted in a, a match with Axel Rotten. And my first, before I was, I wrote down a list that I, I need some moves with a chair. And I was like, I wonder, maybe I can throw a chair up and then jump up and spin kick it into someone's face. And I just like wrote it down. I had no idea that that was going to get over so strong. And that was going to be the move, you know, that I'm still doing now as a finish, the Van Daminator. But, but I was, that's how it was. I was writing all these moves because I came from a completely different, territory down in uh, Georgia where uh, you just you know you do you, you you circle around the ring and you clap your hands and you're USA yeah. you know they would boo you right out the door if you tried that in ECW because uh, they were they stood for uh, for screw that nonsense we're hardcore you know we we like what we like about wrestling and it's not the cheese get the cheese out of it so uh, they were just watching for us to, to, to mess up. If my foot was to slip on the ropes or I leapfrog and the guy doesn't duck quite, quite high enough and like his head hits me or something, they love that stuff because exactly. the crowd jumps up, you effed up, you effed up, yeah. you effed up. And they're, oh, they were brutal. And so that became something to really try to avoid. So when I was cutting my teeth, putting my craft together, I appreciate that that was the crowd that I had to master because that's what that's what gave me the standards to use for the rest of my career. And then now something that I think is a monumental thing is having your own slot game, having something that people could go to and be part of. So tell us about Celebrity Slots and how you're going to have a game. It's celebrity Slots is uh, it's a phone app for people to play. You don't have to do it just because we're quarantined, but I am concerned. Not everyone has it as good as RVD uh, mm. when they're staying home, you know, and a lot of people don't have jobs and uh, even they don't know what they're going to do. But, but anyway, that's, that's a, that's a concern of mine. The, 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 this helps make me feel better about that. So I, so I just bring that up. But, but anyway, uh, I, I have so many different projects I'm coming up with to try to, uh, I'm coming out with uh, to give everybody something to do. But Celebrity Slots is uh, particularly cool because uh, one, it's free to download. It's fun um and uh it's free to play and then you can win actual stuff and it's a fun game and it's not just slots it's very personalized and custom made uh for me i had uh um, a big part in designing it like all the symbols that you line up with the slots are all rvd related and uh images of uh, uh me and katie jennifer's on there somewhere uh, 
we have uh, shin, my shin pads, yin yang symbols, and so and our voices are on there. We recorded all the sound effects, you That's know. Right. So yeah, so you get, you hear us uh, cheering you on or 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 telling you 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 effed up, you effed yeah. up. Um, so uh, it, so it's really cool. And then the prizes will probably always change because we have so many things that have been suggested on what we can give away. But but already we got people that are winning prizes, and we're going to be like. Uh, talking to them um, on uh, social media like this, hashtags. Uh, the ultimate is a $500 gift card, which anybody can use. Uh, you can you can use that wherever you want. And it's free to play, so it's pretty cool. So other projects. It seems like, Rob, as you know, as a, as a wrestler, we always have other projects to talk about. So what other stuff do you have going on? So already announced um, is a couple of days ago, it was announced that I'm going to be in the new uh, virtual basement video game. So uh, video gamers are, are going to be very familiar and excited about Virtual Basement. Um, unkind e-games. I have my own e-games. Uh, we're going to be starting tournaments. I have um, SRG, which is a, a card game, the uh, wrestling card game. Okay. Um, yeah, and if, if people haven't watched Headstrong on Amazon yet, then, uh, then you know, check that out. But I also have uh, several more uh, that I'm going to be talking about soon. But those are some of the uh, things that, that I've plugged uh, in just in the last couple of weeks. You know, my my CBD line, RBD CBD, um, in, in promoting that, I have a lot of people wanting to collaborate. And because of that, uh, a lot of things are coming to uh, to pass that are that are pretty exciting. And I have like a whole team, a whole new team, uh, with the CBD company of uh, to, to handle things like this, things that come our way, like uh, like celebrity slots or like uh, uh, some of these other um, other projects. Some of them, uh, some of them, yeah. Some of them I'll wait to talk about, uh, but that that's what sticks out right now of of what I've what I've been talking, what I've been hearing myself talk about <laughs> recently. It's always cameo. Yeah. You know, you get private messages. And where can we follow you and stuff? Where's the best place you like people to connect with you? The, the real RVD. That's, that's on all social media platforms. That's where you'll see me. Awesome, Rob. It's good catching up with you. And uh, I like hearing the old school stuff. That's the fun stuff to talk about, how we learned and how we kind of, you know, cut our teeth to find out where we were in the business and then use that working those nights in Memphis, working those nights in some towns to finally get the opportunity of a certain stage to really understand your craft and that's what those guys are missing today is those yeah. types of opportunities where you can foul up thousands of times before you finally understand it and i wish that that could go back to that not just in practice yeah. but real life real crowd right. real angles that would help the boys a lot i think yeah well maybe maybe it will eventually one thing that i really learned from those days um was uh something uh, about business merchandising that i think a lot of people are missing out on um danny davis was there at that time you know robert fuller and jeff jared and yeah. eric embry so um i was a baby face um right. so i was able to sell merchandise i was getting paid i remember one time in evansville indiana getting paid 15 dollars and uh and usually it wasn't a lot more than that it might have been 30 or yeah, something 30 i was getting when bert was running evansville too at the I think yeah. I think my highest payment one time in Memphis was seventy when we really had the place packed. I think I got seventy once, um, but I learned right away how to sell my own pictures because a photographer right there and he would take pictures of me. He said, "Hey, I'll be back next week with some proofs 
I pick out the proofs, he comes back, and I think I would give him $2, but sell them for five. Uh, but I was doubling my payoff uh, for, for what I was getting, and I learned that early on. That's always been a big part of my career. I think that's why I'm always interested in investing back in myself with all these different side things, which merchandise is also um, a part of the new, one of the new projects, or two or three of the new projects that I'm talking about that I'm involved in uh, are also merchandise deals. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's something I think the boys are missing. You got to learn how to take care of yourself. Exactly. Well, Rob, thanks for staying, stopping by. Hope to meet in person someday. I appreciate you coming by. Thank, thanks so much, Neil. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back to Neil Haley Show. My guest today is Tracy Poisner, Undeletable Dad, Space Time Alchemy, and Essential Step Moms. How are you, Tracy? And we're going to talk I'm good, today Neil. about quantum physics and how vibrations, which we talked about last week on the podcast. What? How does this is science, as you talked about? And so many people would say, how can that be? But what about quantum physics? How does that fit into us as human beings, quantum physics? So that's a that's a really good question. And clearly, like, I'm no quantum physicist, okay? But uh, we have this idea uh, that as a, as a person, you're like a, a solid physical thing. And basically, like, the deepest level of you is is chemical like it's about the chemicals in your body and that's our whole like medical model is based on the idea that if you take you know drugs or certain kind of chemicals even vitamins it's like stuff that's going to influence your body on the level of the biochemistry of it that's your you know your potassium levels or your sodium or you know the the neurotransmitters in your brain that we can you can take drugs that that change the chemical composition of your of your brain or of your bloodstream to improve your health and vitality but it's really hard for us to conceive of the idea that beneath the level of chemistry like if you look deeper the, that's where the world of physics is what's running all the chemistry in the world, right? It's physics about the um, electrodynamics and electromagnetism, that everything about chemistry is about positive and negative charges that join up together and are sort of magnetic. It's not like there's some kind of like microscopic crazy glue that's holding you together or, or velcro you know it's not we're not held together with with physical hooks we're held together with magnetism every part of us and if you looked at your own hand with a, a powerful enough microscope you would get even past the the blood and the bones and the sinew of yourself to to see that on the deepest level where you can look right inside of your molecules 
and right inside of the atoms that make up your molecules, all that you would see is spinning packets of energy and empty space, right? Mm. So everything is energy. It's just energy that's moving fast and energy that's moving comparatively slow. So things that move slowly in the energetic world appear to us to be solid and things that are moving very quickly appear to us to be invisible, like light rays, like x-rays, like sound waves, right? Those things, we know that they're around us objectively, but we don't, we don't see or perceive them. You can't hear them or taste them or feel them because the human nervous system is calibrated to perceive a very, very narrow range of what's actually out there. So quantum physics is not something newfangled. We're talking about, you know, coming up to or probably over already 100 years of these initial experiments that discovered that everything is either a particle or a wave, and it's actually both at the same time in a sort of cloud of probability. And that when you look at it, when you observe it, when your nervous system interacts with it in some way, it collapses into one or the other. And so it's true to say that your world is, is a only potential until you look at it and it becomes something. So that's where we get into this idea of you, you creating your own reality. Um, you actually do. It's like a very solid scientific principle, even if it's, it's very hard for our minds to, you know, to wrap your head around it. Why aren't we told about being able to create our own reality? Especially, uh, it seems like, you know, like really we can create our own reality. I thought it's based on our environment. It's based who we know, based on all these different things. We can create our own re reality. Kind of explain that when it relates to physics. Well, anything that's a new concept takes, it just takes a long time to percolate down into where everybody understands it as a truth. But you mentioned a little while ago when we were just talking about like law of attraction being limited. Yeah. In, in some way, right? So it like, limits you, you because you can blame everything on a circumstance based on the law of attraction. Like, oh my gosh, you're having this uh, poverty mindset, as I remember someone telling me a, a colleague of mine before, or you're real, you're thinking certain things in your subconscious, so that's why it happened. Even though you have these beliefs or, you know, it just didn't work out because you really just don't really understand the law of attraction. So it limit, and then it makes people think, I just, I can't get it. You know, there's so many people struggling out there today that say, I don't understand the law of attraction. It doesn't work for me. I try to come up with all the practices and at the end of the day, my result sucks. That's the bottom line. If we did yeah. a poll right day of people studying spirituality 80% of them would say, ah, I just keep not getting where I need to go. Yeah. Because they sure. think something else is in control. Right. When truly we are in control. Right. So I, I mean, law of attraction, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an expert on that, but what I understand is that it is this idea of you, 
you do create your reality and that if you um if you tr align yourself with what you want that you'll bring it towards you but the truth is that you don't want to be aligning yourself to something outside of you you want to be so certain and secure about who you are and what your value is you want to be so able to see the reality in front of you that you would never change yourself to match something else and that kind of magnetism is what brings things that you truly desire towards you and they have to be things that you desire um from let's say from the highest part of you because if you desire something in order to fill a deficit like in order to be admired by other people or in order to have security or in order to feel better about yourself. Like those kind of, those are shadow desires. The desire is coded with what we call a shadow, um, a shadow energy that that will never bring anything towards you, right? Like that you can't, that's what people don't understand is that the desires that they're trying to bring towards them are, smeared with shadow that they can't see because they're not standing in a place where they can where they can perceive reality and that's that limited nervous system view that i was talking about before right that you you think that your view of the world is correct but truly every one of us is walking around with a pair of kind of dirty sunglasses you know you've you've had that experience where you're you're wearing sunglasses and you lift them up and you go oh whoa that's not what I thought I was looking at you know we're all looking at the world through a you know colored or dirty sunglasses that we're not aware of and so whatever you think you desire from that perspective um it's not a pure thing and I'm not talking about like you can desire lots of money and a big house, or you can desire a better relationship or whatever it might be. But if you want it for reasons of um, thinking that it's going to elevate you in the view of other people or elevate your view of yourself or make you make you more uh, secure, it's not that's not something that's um, the universe doesn't owe you that. You know, that this is another thing about the law of attraction, that somehow you're going to make friends with the universe in some way. And so then the universe is going to do favors for you. It's a kind of that's it. That's magical thinking. That's not how this works. Although I do love magical thinking in another sense. <laughs> so so how does that work? Kind of let's talk about how does that work? And we'll just kind of jump. That just adds another layer to this in quantum physics. Because what you're saying is I can write down, this is what I desire. This is what I want. This is what I need. I want a mansion. I want this, this, uh, you know, I want the, the fancy vacation. Yeah. I want the, I want the perfect life. I want to be able to just have this unbelievable life for myself. And I'm going to work a relationship with the universe to ask the universe for it or command the universe to have it. How is that different from quantum physics? Oh, what a question. Um, how is that different from quantum physics? 
um, I'm not sure I understand the question. I'm asking you in the way based on the way you teach, right? When you're you're based on space time. I mean, if you came to me and said, those are the things that I want, how do I get them? Right. I would have to ask you, why, why does that matter to you? Like how, why does it, what, what are you, what will you have when you have those things that you don't have now? Like, why do you want it? What will it do for you? It could create, it could create a legacy. It could do this. It could do that. Boom, 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 boom. Based and on why, and, and why it. do you want that legacy? Like, why is that important to you? That legacy will help lead on, you know, taking care of my family and doing specific things that would be really a change that would just kind of transform the people around me and help others all around me to, to really build something special. And why do you want to help others and build something special around you? Because it feels great. There we go. So the the thing is, you have the power to feel great like that right now. Because if there is nothing outside of you that is actually responsible for how you feel, you are responsible for how you feel at every moment. And we, we have this idea that I... I won't feel great, that kind of great, until I have all those other things. And when no, I have, you have them, to it's going to produce. You have, now. you have to feel what you're right now in this journey. You got to have fun. You got to love it. Right. It's got to so be something. You have to know that the feeling that you want to have is unrelated to those things, actually. You think it is, but it's not. You're responsible for the feeling that you have right this minute. And so what you're experiencing right now is a feeling of separation between between you and something else that is preventing you from feeling a way that you want to feel. And Mm -hmm. there is nothing about that circumstance that's going to cut your head open and pull your scalp apart and reach inside and pull those levers and, and release those neurochemicals that I was talking about before. You can generate those neurochemicals right now by yourself. It does, You are not depending on any circumstance outside of you for how you feel. Hmm. So at the end of the day, all those things that you want, you want them in order to generate a good feeling in you. Totally. And yeah, so, and then that means surprise, that you, can't get you can to have that now. Goal. But if you don't have that feeling, you're never going to get to where you need to go right? Because you're going to constantly it's, be self-doubting. No, and it's that it's that you realize that the where you think you want to go is an illusion about what's required for you to feel the way that you want to feel. Okay. So it's a, there's a letting go of the connection between, between all of those things. And when you can let go of that, And you realize that you have the power and you've always had it to feel however you want to feel and that nobody else or nothing outside of you can ever impact you on that level. First of all, that's a tremendously powerful place to be because now it means that no kind of failure or no kind of uh, belonging in a, in a group or a club or in your family or, you know, in society there's there is no desire to be appreciated or included uh, that you are unconsciously moving towards or that's unconsciously holding up your uh, your goals and your desires. So now you're free to find out what is the thing that you actually want 
that doesn't matter to anyone else but you. And that's where you start to be able to uh, really, I'm going to say channel for lack of a better word, but right, you want to stream your divine inspiration. Like you said a moment earlier, like we're all divine creators. And you can't get to that level until you've let go of all the stupid reasons that you have for wanting things. And I'm not saying that making the world a better place with this or that is a stupid reason at all, right? But um, but if you want it in order to have a good feeling, just have the good feeling now. And then you can start to play with what could you actually be doing, being, contributing, creating that would change the world forever beyond what you thought before about like, earning enough money to be able to, you know, leave a big donation to a hospital or something like it, it's a perfectly noble pursuit, but you could be doing something 10,000 times bigger than that. And you'll never, you'll never get there while your mind is still doing busy work about uh, bringing things towards you that you're, you're not clear about, about why it's even important. So the divine feeling, right? That divine feeling uh, leads you to happiness, which leads you to then become a creator. You cannot be a creator till you feel you're in a space in life that you are at ease, it sounds like to me. I wouldn't say, I mean, everyone is a divine creator by definition. We block ourselves from acting on that level of inspiration because it doesn't make any sense to us we can't rationalize how this little germ of an idea is going to lead us to what our human mind thinks you know success is the path of success it won't it doesn't make any sense because we're talking about like divine purpose and divine inspiration is on another level than than like the human narrative that where we live our days and talking about paying your mortgage and putting gas in your car and having good relationships with your kids or whatever. Like if you want to be a vehicle for something truly divine, meaning superhuman in a sense, like beyond, beyond the human concerns, then we have to get beyond the place where you care what anybody else thinks about what you're doing beyond the place where um, you want to be known or appreciated for what you're doing beyond the place where you, whatever you're creating, because that, that divine uh, realm is also outside of time. And you could create something now that wouldn't be appreciated until a hundred years after you die. And you have to be totally okay with that because you know, it's so hard inside of yourself. Right. So, um, it's not about it's not about being happy. There's a level of, I would say, euphoria that's beyond happiness or joy. It's a kind of perfect, um, excited contentment and satisfaction with achieving, um, not even achieving, with um, participating in creativity at that level. That that's such an honor to have a human body and a lifetime in which to do things. So we have to be able to actually take action. It's not just like visualizing what you want and bringing it towards you. Sometimes the steps of what you want are just things that have to be done. And they might be things that you don't particularly enjoy doing. So 
we have to get out of our own way in that sense as well of of um allowing our our human um resistance to get in the way of those divine messages okay best place people can find info on you tracy where can they go tracypoisoner.com appreciate it, tracy thanks again thank you all right you're listening watching the neil haley show and we'll be back in just a moment Hi, everyone, and welcome to Toss C3 Podcast. I'm excited to welcome the founder of Toss C3, Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm still recovering from the heat of talking to the UK Chili Queen last week. That was a pretty amazing interview. Oh, there's big ones coming in February. Uh, I mean, Ricky Schroeder is going to be on the show and more and more coming in February. I'm telling you, this is going to be a slam dunk month in February. We're talking, and that's where you got to go again to Celebrity Interviews Live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. All right, so let's kind of go to the topic today. We're going to transform cy- your cybersecurity in 2024 for only $19.99 a month. Really, Greg? What did you think? Did, did that have any intrigue for you when you heard that? Oh, I'm like, as a business owner myself, especially now looking to invest in other businesses, the thing I'm going to do is, boom, I'm going to take this link and I'm going to say, hey, hey, you know, because I'm working with a lot more B2B in 2024 as a CMO, uh, helping other companies as a CMO. So let's kind of just jump into it. Yeah, let's dive in. Let me tell you what this is all about. All right. So you've probably heard the terms attack surfaces, right? So that's um, areas where a hacker or is a vulnerability that they would go ahead and try to exploit. Well, some of the key uh, processes or, or or attack surfaces to worry about are servers, workstations, PCs, laptops, Macs, MacBooks, mobile devices such as iPhones, Androids, tablets, Chromebooks. I mean, that's what we're talking about. So that's the attack surface. So I decided to come up with a package that, you know, was you can't say no to it. It's such a compelling offer. I mean, because what we're talking about is protecting, you know, the PC, the laptop, the server, uh, the iPhone, Android, or a tablet or Chromebook, and not only protecting that from the employee or yourself by clicking on things accidentally or, you know, not paying attention and opening a, a smishing attack when you get a text. Uh, you know, going ahead and renewing your Netflix when it wasn't really a Netflix ad, you know, and and leaving yourself totally vulnerable to a ransomware attack or worse. Um, but I'm backing this with not only tosses 24-7 analysis and their security operations center monitoring and remediations, but by autonomous AI. So we have AI built in here that's going to be responding to the microsecond or nanosecond even uh, when something is going on. And then even on top of that is a worldwide global team, 24-7 experts watching this, a vigilance team from Sentinel-1, who is the premier in endpoint protection and XDR solutions. Well, that's impressive because what it's doing is it's going to protect you from those faux pas that if you especially if you have a lot of employees, those faux pas they make that could cost you millions or even tens of millions of dollars, and you really can't fund that ransom attack, right? Because they're going to ransom the heck out of you, and they're going to try to drain you because what they're trying to do is specifically enough. This is the the new world that we live in. One, but one little mistake, and it's getting they're getting good now, Greg. You look at some of these emails, and you think it's from the company. 
No, it's really true. I, I get them all day. People forward them to me all the time. My CFO just forwarded me, hey, is this real? Um, you know, this is a payment notice from an ACH transaction that they deposited 75K in our account. Well, she was bright. She looked at it. It, it didn't make sense and it was incorrect. So she is vigilant, which is great. And we train that, you know, because training is so important, but it's, it, you know, humans are humans, especially around the holidays. You know, people bypass the training. Um, they don't uh, pay attention to the, uh, to this, to the uh, testing. And we do tons of phishing attack simulation testing around the holidays. And the numbers are astronomically higher than they are during the year. But, you know, let me tell you about the process. You know, when I say, you know, $19.99 a month, transform your cybersecurity, as soon as I mention something technical, you know, people like shut down, they get nervous. What do I do? I don't know anything about this. Um, am I a candidate? I've tried to open the kimono and take away all of the worry and fear. So here's the process. It's real simple. You know, they'll reach out to us or they'll go to a landing page or send an email or whatever for a free consultation. What's going to happen in the consultation? We'll spend 15 minutes together understanding your unique environment, how you use technology, the type of technology you have, you know, any fears or worries that are present, you know, what your goals are uh, and your mission for the next, you know, year, let's say, and are you positioned for that? With that information, my team will do um, an external and internal vulnerability assessment and penetration testing. And what we're looking for is the IT technology, we're looking at the security, and we're looking at information security or data compliance. All of these things which cover the backup. And this is all included in the system, but we go one step beyond the normal. We do what most people don't, and they really need to this, these days, in our transformation free consultation, we're gonna do an active directory assessment. Active directory is literally the open door to all of the information and simple hacking once somebody is able to breach your environment. There are so many, I wanna say, uh, unknown footholds that are available in active directory. I mean, users from 10 years ago, computers that you retired you know, in the 90s, I mean, all of these different things people don't know about, and we're going to uh, produce this comprehensive report. And with that in mind, we'll then be able to put a remediation plan in place and work with you, your IT team, your IT company, get that all resolved and level set. You know, then with that done, you know, if you decide to move forward with the uh, transformation program for the 1999, uh, it's really simple. Um, it works on all technologies. And I'm talking about Windows talking about Apple, I'm talking about iOS, Chromebooks, Google Androids, you know, you name it, it's going to work with that system. And what it's going to do is I mentioned autonomous AI keeping you safe. You open an email, you click on it by accident, a link, it'll immediately kill quarantine alert. Uh, the security operations center, the TOS team will review it. The Sentinel-1 vigilance team will review that on top of it. We'll make remediative steps and actions, and we'll make sure that you're all safe. Now, here's the first important thing. This attack surface are, are critical, right? Everybody uses these servers. They use them on their PCs all day long, every day. Everybody has a mobile device in their pocket. We have one more additional feature that you can opt in for, and what we call it is our cloaking technology. Now, if you think about the old days, right, they Star Trek and the Klingons and all that, they, yeah. they, cl they cloak the bird of prey, right? You can't see it anywhere. 
Or in Predator, you know, the Predator pushed some buttons and he disappeared and you only saw this shimmer and glimmer. That's what we're going to do with your entire company. We're going to put a cloak of invincibility and invisibility over your company. And let me just ask you, if a hacker can't see you, can they hack you? No. So we're going to make you totally invisible to the internet and to everybody, only allowable for you, your own people to come in safely and securely over a zero trust environment. See, and I, I think that's awesome because then employees that are going ahead and maybe going to the wrong places, you're going to be monitoring that or they're shopping or different things, at least then that they're not going to know where this company, where, where that IP address is coming from. Because Greg, as you said, you visit a website, literally, especially it, what can happen is basically they can, you can get hacked right off of just visiting a website, thinking it looks like a specific Amazon site, looking like it's a specific other site, or a lot of people are buying on websites and people haven't updated their website to protect themselves. You know, there are lots of websites out there that are not specifically protected. Now cloaking, that means at least it's not going back to the company, right? That's yeah, not going back to the company. And, you know, even more important than that, if you have a, like a, uh, let's say a mid-sized company, even a small company, I've got some customers with five employees that use our, you know, remote desktop technology that's you know, in the cloud, IT is utility, we call it, where they just take a device and they log into a, a portal and then boom, their uh, Windows desktop is right there, just where they left it off. And they run everything even on, on their iPhone or tablet as if they were sitting in front of a big, heavy, heavy, beefy computer. So, I mean, even those people. But, you know, here's the thing. If, if you're cloaked and you can't see it and you go to log in, to let's say that environment, it doesn't exist. It says can't be found, doesn't exist, you know, uh, whatever. And let me tell you the importance of this. I don't know if you've noticed like over the summer and still going on um, as early as last week, um, there are companies, you know, like um, I'll, I'll just throw out Netscaler. I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but you know, there's a, a technology, a firewall technology, and it's a target because, you know, hundreds of thousands of these are globally, right? So hundreds of millions of people use this technology every day to log in, especially in finance and in business and in hospital and healthcare and, and so on. I mean, even FedEx use, uses it 100%. And, and what, what this does is it's a gateway or a firewall for logging in. And what the hackers do is they search and they scan for people using this device. Now, if you have our cloaking technology on top of your environment, they will scan and look on the internet, but you won't show up because you're not reachable, if you know what I'm saying. Now, during this year, I mean, billions of dollars were lost uh, to hackers and ransomware because of you know um, flaws, what we call critical vulnerabilities inside the net scalers. I mean, the MGM grant, I, I think we all heard about that one uh, over the summer when they were losing like, I don't know, millions a day or a second or an hour or whatever, it was because of the Citrix Netscaler. How it worked is hackers have automated bots set up. They scan the internet all day for the targeted technology that has a critical vulnerability. In this case, the Netscaler, it produces a list with IP addresses, and then they either automate or they manually attack, uh, trying to get in, exploit it, and then either leave a leave behind to come back later like a beacon, or they just go ahead and attack it right then. But again, if you're cloaked and hidden, it can't happen. 
you mentioned people logging into fake sites. There are two things I wanted to mention about that. First of all, there's what's called a drive-by attack, where you take a real website, let's say like an ESPN or an Amazon or something, and it has a flaw and has been hacked, and somebody injects, let's say, an ad that has a script in it, and you just, your mouse is the car, and you're driving by, and you put it over that infected image, and that script executes, and it downloads in the background malicious code that'll probably execute at some other point later in the day, reaching out to a server in another country or whatever, and download you know, the payload in the background, and then it'll be on a timer, then it'll execute at some point, you know, 10, 20, 30 days later, and then the place is encrypted, shut down, miserable time. The other thing that happens is that a phishing attack, like there are companies out there that'll send out, like it'll look exactly like it came from Microsoft 365 or from FedEx or UPS or whatever. We send out these simulated phishing attacks as well, and they look identical. There's so much time put into creating the decoy, if you will, they look identical to a UPS site or a FedEx site or an Amazon site, identical. And so people get tricked, they click on it. So there's, well, mistake number one is opening the email. Mistake number two is clicking on it. But then finally, you know, entering or logging information, that's the final, you know, yeah. so people will actually fill out usernames and passwords for that location. But luckily in our case, they're phishing testing simulated. So we'll just track that and then we'll come back for training and education, not to shame anyone. It's not about, uh -huh, you're a dummy, you did that. No, it's about, you know, trying to teach and help them be educated and understand because, you know, everybody has a technology, but not everybody's a technologist. And, you know, I think that's something that people in our industry assume, you know, just because we know stuff that everybody knows stuff and it's just not the case. Right. And you have, a, and especially you talked about the MGM, Graham, how many employees? You can't stop every employee from making a mistake. Yeah, I mean, there's mistakes every day, and and you have a variety of different people who have access to computers, phones, laptops in your in your building, and it could even be a guest that comes in. So if you don't go ahead and protect yourself, these hackers know how to get through, and they use simple ways of people making mistakes, and then they, and then it's too late. That's correct. You know, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. Um, we were working with the municipality. And, uh, you know, the mayor was concerned about IT. Um, you know, their, their person was uh, skilled with the environment for what they had and what he knew, but had been there since, you know, the early 90s and, and so on. And, you know, things weren't running great. So she asked if we would do a external, internal penetration test, vulnerability assessment and an AD review. And we did that and we found uh, numerous amounts of issues that needed to be resolved. Uh, knocked on wood then and I'm knocking on again <clears throat> that nobody exploited those because they were, you know, like if, if there was a checklist of the things, the top 10 things to make sure that you don't have open or whatever, all 10 were open, if you will, in this environment. So we were able to resolve that. We were able to put in, um, you know, critical uh, patching and and infrastructure and then processes and procedures to make sure that they are done and then they went on the 1999 pack transformation package um, and now are totally protected and you know totally secure and this happened I want to say maybe months before two much larger cities um, 
in the Massachusetts area both uh, got hit with a very bad ransomware attack that put them out of operation for months. You're seeing more attacks today in 2024 than ever, right? In your career. Exponential. Absolutely. Exponential. Wow. And you know what? It's it's a big business. And we talk about the Fortune, you know, 1,000, 500, 150. You know, this is a 50, 60 billion dollar industry. I mean, and they run it like a fortune company, right? You know, they have CEOs and executive teams. They have legal teams. You know, they have negotiators. They have, you know, the technical hackers and deployment people. I mean, all of this stuff. And because they they know that most people have, you know, some level of cyber insurance, uh, a million, two million, 10 million, depending on, on what their needs are. And they will do whatever they can to get as much as they possibly can. Now, of course, insurance companies negotiate that fee. So if you have two million in coverage and you get a request for two million, they're not going to pay two million. They have professional negotiators that work with the uh, the terrorists, if you will, because they're not really nice people. They're horrible people. And, uh, you know, just spreading misery. And, and they will work and negotiate that down um, as best they can to save the insurance company um, money as well as the insured. Now, another quick tidbit on that is people don't realize that you as the insured actually have to come up with the ransom payment and then provided you don't send the Bitcoin or whatever to a sanctioned country and pass the compliance test of the insurance company you're working with, they will then reimburse you. But a lot of people don't realize that they have to come up with $100,000, $500,000, million, $2 million on their own and then get reimbursed by their cyber carrier. And a lot of places don't have that cash, right? You talk right. about a school district or you talk about a... A hospital that's coming up with that money fast is not easy, right? Getting that's cash right. out of the and be able to pay that. And they're they're moving quickly. And the other problem is you're down, right, Greg, till it's fixed. Yeah, you're, you're down. And, and when you're down, you've got you know loss of business internally, you've got loss of reputation, uh, you know, you have customer customers that have losses, or in the case of a school system, you have you know school that's not happening, and so you have to deal with you know, parents and teachers and, you know, then, you know, whatever the ramifications are with the Commonwealth, uh, let's say here in Massachusetts for not having the right amount of school time and hours, you know, for being taught because you can't access anything, especially these days, everything is automated and on computers. So, you know, it's not like the old days, you know, when I went to school or we had the textbooks and, uh, you know, the pencils and the erasers, it's a lot different now. What about social media? That's becoming a big hacking uh, playground now, too. You know, it really is. You know, and one of the big things that I've seen on social media are fake accounts. You know, Facebook, um, you know, Instagram, there's a lot of fake accounts. There's a lot of honeypot type accounts where, you know, they'll put up AI pictures of, you know, pretty girls or handsome men and, you know, hoping that somebody will friend them and then they'll they'll hook them in and they'll start messaging them and be friends with them and so on. And, you know, in many cases, you know, these are just horrible people looking to scam you, you know, eventually they'll, they might start showing you, um, you know, their Bitcoin uh, account balance. So I have $6 million uh, making money's easy if you know how, 
you know, I can teach you how to do that. You know, people get caught up in that, especially, you know, when, um, you know, the economy is soft or business is slow. You know, it's like, well, how do I make some money to, you know, to bridge, bridge the gap while I'm waiting for, you know, accounts receivables or whatever. So all of this stuff looks interesting. And what ends up happening uh, nine out of 10 times is people, you know, get milked out of either the crypto they send or the or the the fiat currency that they wire to them. Because they want, why do they want that currency versus cash? Like, you know, like regular. What, crypto? Well, yeah. well obviously it's, it's, it's harder to trace. Let's put it that way, right? And you can't claw it back once you, once you send it. Oh, man. All right. So this is just great information, but how can people right now get the special offer of $19.99? What can they, what can they do? Well, I'd say probably the fastest and easiest way to do it is either either go out to the website and click on free consultation in the top right hand corner. And, uh, you know, it might ask you a couple of questions and fill them out or not. But in the notes section, just say, hey, I'm interested in the 1999 uh, transformation offer. And, you know, again, that'll schedule you right then for the initial consultation, which will lead to you know, all of these, you know, tens and of hours of, of, you know, free work that you're going to get. And at the end of the day, if you decide not to move forward financially, you still have this great report and tons of information about your environment that, you know, will help you in 2024 to stay safe and secure. All right. Stay safe and secure as well, Greg. Take care, man. Thanks. All right. That was the Toss C3 podcast, guys. Take care. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Strategic Wealth Strides podcast with our host, Alan Porter. Alan, what's going on, man? How are you? Well, I can't believe what a difference a week makes. Last week, it was like 10 or 15 degrees. Today, it's 74 out here in North Carolina. I like it. I guess we're already ready for spring. Just kidding you. But, uh, I mean, the, maybe the groundhog's not going to see his shadow, right? Or we want him well, to I'm see his Yeah. I'm definitely ready for it. Uh, no doubt, because of golf, for sure. So our topic today is with the stock market reaching new highs this month, what are some things that people need to think about? So my, so that's really kind of the first question of this topic. I mean, because well, it, it has reached highs. People need to understand that there's only a few stocks that have grown, grown so much to, to, to account for 90% of that growth. And if you're not in those stocks, you're not getting that growth. But the other thing people need to take into account is inflation and how it affects the stock market growth. If you figure the first three years when Trump was in, uh, the market gained 36% due, uh, because of inflation. But with Biden, I mean, he had great gains here in the last, especially the last couple of months, but it's only 7% gain because of inflation. And when they, they tell you these numbers about inflation, they don't take into account food or fuel prices or anything like that. That's core, that's core uh, inflation uh, figuring. And there's many things that, that are not even figured in here. I've talked to so many people, Neil, that said it's 2008 is going to happen again. 2008 is going to happen again. And the reason they say this is I, I reported this last time in one of our conversations. The M2 money supply. Now, understand the M2 money supply is the amount of money that is given to um, businesses to produce products. We're a consumer-based uh, industry, and we're right now we're at recession and depression levels for M2 money supply. And the big thing, and this, if you ever watched the movie The Big Short, that's the crash of 2008. 
we have $60 trillion in commercial debt that's going to mature in the next six months. And you know how, you know how commercial uh, uh, occupancy is, it's down. So there's, there's going to be some big awakening uh, out there for people. Uh, I mean, great. I'm glad they, they have that uh, gain in the stock market. So it's just like I had this one guy. He's a good friend of mine. I asked him, I said, man, you made, you're making a lot of money in, your, in the market, aren't you? He said, man, I'm killing it. I said, no, you're not. He said, what do you mean? I said, you haven't made anything until you cash it out. I said, it could be here today and gone tomorrow.